Hello, hello, this is Jonathan and you're listening to the Johnny Talks Podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hola amigos, hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And if you're a new listener to the show, special warm welcome to you. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I appreciate it even more. In today's episode, we will speak to my friend Brian Thorpe from Wealthtender. After an extensive career working with global asset management, Brian founded his company Wealthtender with the aim of connecting people with the best fitting financial resources, educators or advisors. We will discuss the evolution of digital investing tools throughout his career and why human advice, whether through a financial advisor, podcast blogs or coaches, still has a place in today's world And we will also tackle the misconception that one needs to be wealthy in the first place to hire a financial professional. This episode is for you if you've been looking for financial advice around you, whether online or offline, but have not yet found the best financial resource that fits your needs or the best financial professional that you can connect with. So without further ado, let's hear the interview. Hello, Brian. How are you doing today? Hey, Jonathan. Doing great. How are you doing? Yes, I'm good here in Luxembourg. Where am I calling you to? Yeah, so I am actually in Tulum, Mexico. It's about two hours south of Cancun. We've been down here for about three weeks now. My wife had the opportunity to work remotely uh, away from the office through the end of the year. And so we figured if we can work from, quote, home, we might as well make home Mexico for a little bit. Oh, perfect. You're kind of a digital nomad. Indeed. So far, so good. (laughs) Okay, excellent, excellent. And yeah, Brian, we will not talk about your remote or digital nomading today, but you are the CEO of a wealth tender and you have a, quite an extensive career as a global asset manager, I think 22 years, if I'm correct. And then uh, recently, so you, you found it, yeah, wealth tender, and this is what we're going to talk about, but maybe you can expand a little bit on your, um, on your career and uh, what brought you to start a wealth tender. Absolutely. Be happy to. So um, if it weren't for the where we are right now, we're, we're generally in Houston. So live in Texas. Um, we actually are fortunate to also have a condo in Austin. Austin is my happy place, but Houston is certainly a very nice place to live as well. And in Houston, uh, I started with a company in 1997 called AIM Investments. That same year, they merged with Invesco. Uh, today, Invesco is over a trillion dollar global asset manager. And so I had the benefit for the 22 years that you mentioned to grow within that organization, played a number of roles from sales and strategy, and most recently was the head of the key accounts team. So within that role, worked to distribute our mutual funds and ETFs and other investment products through wealth management firms across the U.S., And those would be firms like Morgan Stanley, Merrill Lynch, Wells Fargo, UBS, Edward Jones, a number of firms that collectively have hundreds of thousands of financial advisors around the country, um, all of whom were utilizing our Invesco investment products with their clients. And so it was a great opportunity for me to not only grow within the organization and gain insights in terms of managing money for other people, but also how financial advisors and other investment professionals um, help people as well as institutions um, invest for whatever it is that they are saving for or investing for. So for many people, that would be 
investing for retirement, perhaps saving for college, um, for institutions that could be um, 401k plans that are uh, ultimately saving for retirement on, on behalf of their participants or employees, mm-hmm. um, insurance companies that have various products that they were looking to invest. So it really gave me a, a lot of great exposure to all parts of the asset management world. And last year in 2019, um, Invesco was doing a very large acquisition of a company called Oppenheimer Investments. And that afforded me and a number of people an opportunity to take a step back and think about whether we wanted to stay with Invesco as an organization as the two companies came together. Or for me, it was a great company. It continues to be a great company, a lot of great people that I worked with. Um, But I felt that it would always be um, something that I wanted to do, which was to try and um, do something more in the startup world. And so that afforded me an opportunity to say, you know what, I'll I'll take a, a chance on exiting at this point in time. And that is really what then led me into more of the the world that I'm exploring today, which is all the ups and downs of um, the startup world. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's great. And um, when you were working at Invesco, so you dealt with big clients, etc., with huge amounts of money, but you had a personal contact with all your clients. How was the contact? Did you meet them in person? Did they come to the office or you went to visit them? Or was it all through the computer? Yeah, great question. Obviously, you know, the world has changed right now. Mm -hmm. But um, prior to uh, leaving, I I was in the air quite a bit. So, you know, we'd have a lot of clients. And and when I refer to clients, a lot of the wealth management firms that were based in New York City. So we'd travel from Houston to New York and have a number of meetings there. Um, Also, you know, a couple of other pockets within the United States where uh, major firms were headquartered. So Edward Jones in St. Louis would spend a lot of time there. You'd have firms like Ameriprise up in Minneapolis. Our global headquarters was in Atlanta, so would be back and forth there quite a bit as well. Um, so yes, it was a you know certainly plenty that was done over the computer and by phone. I was fortunate to have a really terrific team that was ultimately responsible for uh, the relationships directly with a number of those firms that I mentioned, among others. And I would um, have the opportunity to do a little bit more work from home. They were really the ones that were the road warriors um, out and about every day, whereas my um, life was a little bit more balanced, where it was about 50% in the home office and 50% uh, out on the road meeting with the, the various clients. Yeah, because I was a bit curious, and that's also why I I invited you, Brian. It's not only about purely financials, but um, the, I mean, the compound interest, retirement accounts, but it's also I wanted to deal, to talk uh, with you about the, um, yeah, the transition, the digital transition that has occurred in the, in the industry, because, okay, you started 20 years ago. Okay. And 20 years ago, I mean, there was no uh, social media. There was no, uh, I mean, the internet was less developed. There were emails. But I mean, the contact has slightly changed. I mean, the, we you now see um, many type of apps uh, available, such as uh, you can now trade on Robinhood. Uh, in the US, uh, we get robo-advisors. We get a lot of competition, so to speak, or additional tools that can help an advisor, financial advisor, to advise his clients. So is there a, how do you see that? How has that change uh, happened for you? 
Yeah, great question. And I, I think it's really interesting just to watch over time mm -hmm. uh, the various, uh, the pendulum kind of swing in the direction of perspective that more robotic uh, automation, uh, more type of, uh, you know, digital and less human interaction is the wave of the future. And then people, ultimately, the pendulum swings back the other way. And, and people realize that money is a very emotional topic. And it's very difficult for computers to truly understand uh, the very nature of the complexities of, of life and living, you know, losing a job or getting a promotion, getting married, saving for retirement, I, you know, so much about any of these different topics that we face that are money related, mm -hmm. uh, really it, it are, are so much more uh, readily solved or, or better discussed with somebody who's either gained that experience, walked in your shoes, or just can truly more relate than you know, a technology that's out there. Um, you know, if you go back to the late 90s, when we had a, a similar stock market in terms of, you know, very high valuations at that time around all of these internet stocks, one of the things that you saw was the emergence of trading platforms like E-Trade and others. And so there was a tremendous amount of day trading going on. A lot of people saying, I don't need a financial advisor. Mm -hmm. um, we can just, you know, day trade and, and this is the future. And then the internet bubble burst and people realized, you know what, this might be a little bit more complicated. And again, by virtue of being a little bit more of an emotional um, topic, it became more of a discussion around how financial advisors can, can play a role. You know, we then flash forward, we've gone through the financial crisis that reminded people just how complex investing and money and emotional um, it can be. And then following the financial crisis, you know, we saw a pretty... Uh, exciting run and, and fairly steady appreciation in the market that I think many people said, okay, I'll just put everything into index funds and step back and, and forget it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that included utilizing, you know, tools and, and online applications, robo-advisors to just allow your money to grow. Um, but then we saw, um, you know, COVID and the, the coronavirus that ultimately had a, a meaningful impact, at least in the short term, on you know, market values and people's accounts that I think reminded them that, you know, this can be more complicated and the value of working with a human. Now we've been fortunate to see it pop back and without other things to do, similar to what I mentioned in the, the late 90s with their internet bubble and E-Trade, now it's been replaced by Robinhood and people, you know, looking to, to day trade again and moving online. I, I personally feel that that generally is more symbolic of a, a market top. And that doesn't necessarily mean that all stocks are overvalued. I, I think there's plenty of value in the market, mm -hmm. but I think um, there's likely a number of areas that people have become complacent in believing that certain stocks may be um, always trading at a, a significant premium or much higher. And I, I think time will tell, but it's likely that we'll see a pullback in certain areas like some of these technology stocks that have really outperformed this year and maybe see a rebound in some other areas um, that have been uh, underperforming as you know more of the momentum stocks have really taken hold. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I like that you brought up the emotional component to money because basically money investing, to me, if you read a few books, you listen to a few podcasts, whatever, you read a few blogs, it's not that super complicated. But the complexity mostly comes from your emotions. And that's where I think people need support or need help 
as well to, I mean, in addition to the knowledge, but to, to the technical knowledge to as well manage th this emotion and money. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. You know, it's a very emotional topic. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, if somebody asks you the question, how well off are you financially? The answer generally isn't as simple as saying, well, I'm in a well-diversified basket of index funds. You know, the, the question is really much more how do asking you about you mm -hmm. as a person. Mm -hmm. And the answer more likely involves, you know, how well are you living within your means? You know, mm -hmm. are your expenses lower than what you're earning each month? Do you have an emergency fund? Are you saving adequately for college, for education, for your children? And then even things like, you know, saving for retirement. Um, you know, it's really picturing what does retirement mean to you? What does that look like to you? And how are you working to fund it? And of course, in scenarios like we have today, I think job security is a real focal point as well. You know, it may be that you have a, a nicely diversified, you know, basket of um, index funds or other investments, but that is only one component of your overall financial picture. And if you're not certain, given everything going on with COVID, as to whether your employer will continue to, to keep you around, or you may be looking for a, a, you know, a new career even, um, just based on certain you know, businesses as we've known them to perhaps no longer exist the way that they have, what are the implications there? And so again, much more of an emotional and, and human conversation than it is necessarily one about simply investing. Absolutely. And then is this a bit the way you want to go with with wealth tender then to to continue that yeah, dialogue with you, with the customers, with your uh, with the people looking for financial uh, advice? It is. So, you know, with wealth tender, what we're really looking to do is create an online platform that connects people who are looking for help with money matters with the right financial professionals and educators who can assist them. And when I say the right financial professionals and educators, um, you know, you and I both um, have a lot of experience now with the financial blog community. Mm -hmm. And what's terrific about financial blogs is you can generally, no matter your situation in life, find a personal finance blog that aligns to your own interests, your own background, your, the various things that are relevant to you as an individual. And that, I think, speaks to not only the, the success for so many of the blogs that are out there, but importantly, the reason why I think so many of those have been successful is that there is that human story behind each and every one where it's really the, um, the life that that individual is sharing through their personal finance blog in most instances, um, their life experiences allowing you the opportunity to, um, where they've walked in your shoes, to provide perspective that you may not be able to get, certainly wouldn't be able to get from a, you know, a robo-advisor or an online or digital tool. And so with Wealthtender, what we're really focused on is connecting people to the, the right resources. When it comes to financial professionals, um, such as financial advisors and coaches, we're going to be very much focused on helping people find not necessarily the advisor or coach that's nearest mm -hmm. to where they live, but the advisor or coach who is um, best for their individual needs. So again, using that blog analogy, um, you don't go and, and just say, oh, well, this blogger lives around the corner from me. That's the blog I'm going to follow. Rather, you find that personal finance blog that really resonates because the individual who runs it has a similar perspective or perhaps um, similar life circumstances that resonate with you. And 
if there's anything that I think the COVID-19 pandemic has really resulted in is clearly an acceleration of all of us needing to acclimate to more online um, interaction Mm -hmm. with anybody that we work with. And so given the opportunity going forward to work with a financial advisor that um, is down the street from you, uh, who who may be very good at what they do, and still plenty of people want that in-person interaction. So that will continue to be, you know, certainly a very relevant and important um, component for many people that are looking for an advisor or a coach. Um, but going forward, I, I think we'll see a lot more people um, through a platform like Wealth Tender that can use the search criteria and, and the ability, uh, the functionality that we'll have within the platform to truly find that advisor or coach or other resource that's um, truly best for their individual needs. No, that's great. That's a great project, uh, Brian. And then I was wondering, you know, because, okay, you worked previously for a large firm. Now you do the Invesco. So it's a different type of clientele. So can your, uh, I mean, the the people visiting Wealth Tender, the members, can they afford uh, financial advice? Because it's uh, the the idea is that, yeah, okay, financial advice is for people that have uh, millions in the bank, or at least that have a net worth of one million at least. So it's... Is it those for those people or is it for uh, more, um, yeah, the more um, average people? I mean, not average, sorry, uh, I mean, the more, the more common man, the more, uh, yeah. Sure. So I'm a big believer that everyone deserves help with money matters from someone they can trust, no matter their income or stage of life. And really, that's what we want Wealth Tender to be all about. And fortunately, the, there are a tremendous number of resources for people, um, many of which are, are not well understood or well known that exist and are able to help at all price points. So on Wealth Tender, you'll be able to find resources that are more self-help that have zero cost and, and personal finance blogs, podcasts like your own um, and other online resources certainly fit in that um, bill. And then we'll have access to online courses, um, which again is a little bit more on the self-help category, but many of those can be fairly low cost, if not free, for people that are looking to improve their financial well-being through various courses that offer personal finance education. And ultimately, I do, again, firmly believe in the value that a financial advisor or a coach can play. And there is this misconception, at least in the U.S., that in order to hire or work with a financial advisor that you already need to have a lot of money or a financial coach for that matter. Mm-hmm. And it's been really exciting to see how many financial advisors have now evolved um, their practice uh, in financial coaches as well to offer their services in, in more affordable ways. So it could be packages of a number of meetings that they are able to take at a very affordable price. There could be hourly or even a monthly subscription model, which is increasingly popular. And the average age historically in the last number of years for a financial advisor has been you know, in the upper 50s, if not older. So you're, you're starting to see a lot of these older advisors retiring. And fortunately, a number of much younger advisors that are coming in that have a very fresh perspective that are comfortable with a digital first or, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of online presence for the relationship they build with their clients. And so all of this is leading to opportunities for lower cost and new pricing structures um, that I, I think are very attractive. And then 
We'll also have a nonprofit directory. So if you are at a point in life where you qualify for assistance from a number of terrific services that exist around the country to help people that um, you know may be going through a bit of a crisis again with COVID-19, mm-hmm. perhaps they've been um, you know let go from their current job and are in a position that they need free or um, discounted help. Um, there's some great resources out there, including a number of financial advisors and coaches that offer pro bono services or offer their services for free um, as just a, a way of giving back to the community as well. So we want to make sure that we're truly kind of running the the spectrum in terms of all the the services that can be out that, that are out there and available uh, that people can choose from no matter their income or stage of life. Oh, that's great. I really like to hear that. And um, just uh, one question that comes in is that you have this directory of uh, financial professionals, but are they, uh, how can I say, how are they evaluated? I mean, before you put them on the, um, do you go through a selection process or something before they, you advise them on your platform or how do you do your survey? Sure. So right now we are inviting um, financial professionals and educators to join the platform and provide information to create their profile We're really looking to the community to provide feedback for visitors to the site to understand the perspective from their clients or in the case of blogs, their readers or podcasts, their listeners, what their feedback is in in terms of the, the merits of the financial professional or educator. And the way that we're approaching that is not dissimilar from the approach that's worked so well in other areas, you know, whether it's Yelp for you know, restaurants or TripAdvisor for hotels. And then for a number of different you know, professionals, you know, if you're looking for the best doctor or the best lawyer, there are a number of sites that are out there that help you evaluate those providers based upon the, the feedback and the ratings and reviews provided by their clients. And that's what we've um, at this point begun to implement with WealthTender. And it's been fun over the last couple of weeks to really ramp that up and start mm-hmm. to see feedback from readers and listeners offering both, um, you know, star ratings. So we have a standard one to five stars as well as qualitative. And ultimately, I think we would all agree that's the most valuable and and seeing and and reading those reviews and the perspective from, in in this case, the the readers and listeners of blogs and podcasts. um, it, It provides, I think, a really great way for others that are trying to find the, the right blog or podcast for, for them Um, they can look at the profile page, learn a little bit more about what it's all about, and then read those reviews to gain a real sense of what the, the readers and, and listeners think. And as we expand the platform in the next couple of weeks to include financial coaches and advisors, we'll look to implement that as well. The one thing that's a little bit unique in the United States is even through today, the Securities and Exchange Commission has effectively prohibited financial advisors from utilizing third-party ratings and reviews. Um, However, they've recently announced a new rule that will likely take effect next year that will allow financial advisors to um, kind of come into the the 21st century like doctors and lawyers (laughs) and allow the industry and people that are looking to evaluate coaches and advisors Um, and I should say advise we can we can go ahead and, and launch ratings and reviews for coaches but for advisors We'll have to wait until the final rule. 
Um, but that will allow people that are exploring whether or not they want to work with a particular financial advisor, the opportunity to hear directly from some of the clients that have already worked with that advisor, which we think will be very valuable as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a very good move uh, from the authorities. No, that's great because then, you know, really often when you try to um, get uh, advice or for such services, like a doctor, you always ask somebody that has been to this doctor or somebody that has uh, consulted with a lawyer. You say, hey, was it good? Did you did he charge well? Did you get good advice? Did he solve your problem? How was the relationship, etc.? I mean, it's uh, it's just human in the end. <laughs> exactly. And then, Brian, I was thinking, you know, you, you mentioned COVID a few times. You just started Wealth Tender last year, so you you launched in 2019, and now just in its uh, early steps, early phases, you you face this crisis. So how how is that for you? I mean, you you seem to keep the pace and develop. I see the platform growing as well because I'm on it. But yeah, how, how do you? How is your sentiment with regards to the crisis right now? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, and obviously, wish we could rewind the clock and figure out how to avoid the pandemic altogether. But I do think, you know, I always try to be the optimist. I'm, I'm hopeful that you know we'll see the vaccine and and we'll put this behind us, and next year will be a better year mm-hmm. for Wealth Tender specifically. I, I ultimately think for what we're trying to do, the, the silver lining is that it accelerates some of the trends that I've already mentioned. So for financial advisors specifically, with that average age being in the late 50s or 60s, you had many financial advisors who were largely reluctant, uh, not not across the board, but generally speaking, um, it's always been very much an in-person relationship with their clients, which again, by virtue of being such a proponent of that human element, I'm a huge fan of in-person when it when it makes sense and when you can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that had been somewhat of a an, an impediment for advisors that specialize or have expertise in a particular area to grow their practice across the country beyond just their neighborhood. And overnight with COVID, the real silver lining for wealth tender has been now everybody has had to acclimate to more digital interaction, doing Zoom calls and Mm -hmm. video conferences. And so I really think that the ultimately what we're looking to do with wealth tender and encourage still people and, and, you know, we'll help people find that advisor near them if that's what they so choose, but really helping people find an advisor that might be on the other side of the country that will really be accelerated by COVID more so than anything. And it was a trend that was starting to happen as people were getting increasingly comfortable with um, technology and doing online video calls. But, you know, at this point, I think people are um, very comfortable, perhaps, you know, tired of it at this point because people are (laughs) eager to kind of get back into in-person. But ultimately, I think there will be a much more balanced experience going forward where a financial advisor that historically had 100% of their client interactions in person in their office or, um, you know, out around the town, you know, maybe that's 50-50 going forward because some of their clients would prefer to to meet because they found that advisor that's on the other side of the country that's best for them. But logistically, it doesn't make sense to be there all the time. Or as you mentioned, you know, as my wife and I are doing being in Tulum, I I think we're going to see more and more people who can work from anywhere 
And as they choose to work from anywhere, you don't necessarily need your financial advisor to be where you live because you may not know where you're going to be living, you know, a month from now or six months from now. So all of that, I think, has really been an accelerant for um, things that WealthTender is is really focused on over the next several months. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was was, uh, last week at my parents and they are in their 60s. So we, we talked about, they told me, oh, you know, the... The branch of the bank, of that bank, they will close because, okay, they are trying to save money. And basically, there's almost no more uh, banks with the uh, with the personnel in where they live. It's in Belgium. It's uh, on the coast. And I said, yeah, okay, but then everything goes digital, huh, mom and dad. And of course, they said it's a bit for the older pe- generation. It's a bit difficult for them, you know, to all these digital things and, you know, all these apps and whatever, because the banks offer... Um, They offer video calls and whatever and whatnot. And okay, I think that's okay for me. But uh, it's true that, and the younger generation, of course, but uh, the, um, I mean, for my parents, they like, okay, well, for some stuff, it's okay. Or maybe they need to drive 20 kilometers or 10 kilometers. So let's say uh, between six to 15 miles uh, to go to a, a manned office of that, bra- of, the, um, of that bank. So it's a bit right. of a pain for them, but. Yeah, it will be an accelerating trend, I think. So, yeah, for the the older generation, it's not as pleasant. So, <laughs> but that's nice. how it is. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. And then, Brian, maybe one last question I had, because you talk about financial coaches and financial advisors, and maybe for the persons who want, who are looking for uh, advice from a human, <laughs> what is the difference? Should they go to a financial coach? In which cases should they go to a financial coach? And in which case, Should they consult with a financial advisor? What's the difference in a nutshell? Very glad you asked. A terrific question. And many people in the United States are very familiar with financial advisors. However, financial coaches, I, I think, play an important role, but have been underutilized. And that's going to be one of the other opportunities at WealthTender is to really help people understand the the existence, but then ultimately the value of a coach and, and when you would want to use a coach versus an advisor. The lines are starting to blur. It used to be that when you thought financial advisor, um, it would truly be all about going to a financial advisor specifically for help with investing. Mm-hmm. And that really is evolving to where many financial advisors now are increasingly playing the role of coach and helping with financial planning and playing a much more holistic role. So the lines are starting to blur, but generally what I would suggest, and there's a couple of distinctions from a uh, regulatory perspective as well. From a regulatory perspective, a financial advisor is a licensed professional who ultimately is accountable to various standards depending upon the nature of their registration, either with the Securities and Exchange Commission or Uh, FINRA, which is another regulatory body, um, it starts to get fairly nuanced, and most people don't need to understand um, all of the distinctions as long as they're working with a reputable financial professional that falls under that collective umbrella. With a financial coach, it's an unregulated space, and so it does require what I would suggest is you know, additional due diligence, and it can be a little more difficult because there's not regulatory oversight and databases where you can find certain details and disclosures about advisors that that doesn't necessarily exist for financial coaches. Mm -hmm. And so that will be one of the benefits of WealthTender is not only that ability to find financial coaches, but 
through those ratings and reviews to gain feedback from the clients that they've worked with to start to build an understanding of who they are. Um, but generally speaking, if you are at a point in life where you're not yet focused on having a large pool or, or even a moderate pool of assets available to invest, and in fact, you might be um, at a point where you have a meaningful amount of debt and you're trying to either pay off student loans or other debts that you've incurred or um, perhaps approaching a major life milestone like getting married or having children. Financial coaches do a tremendous job of helping people more with those behavioral elements and specifically developing financial plans, um, offering guidance and advice on how individuals can work to get out of debt, how they can put together a plan to live within their means, um, how they can kind of get more on that path of putting themselves in a position where they have leftover money to start investing that money. And then it's really at that point where a financial advisor likely starts to become the more natural financial professional for somebody to work with. So you don't i wouldn't necessarily say you graduate from a financial coach to a financial advisor because you can make the case that a financial coach can provide meaningful value to you as an individual all the way through your life but generally speaking that financial advisor is going to provide incremental value because by definition of the licenses they hold and the regulatory oversight that they operate within they can truly help you with investment advice and actually how you choose to invest mm -hmm. for whatever it is that you're saving for, whether that's retirement or your children's college or, or healthcare or, you know, purchasing products that may be insurance products, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Now, very clear. Uh, thanks uh, for clarifying that, Brian. I think that will help a lot of people as well. And then, Brian, I think we came at the already at the end of the show. Yeah, I really want to, to thank you for sharing your um, your story your perspectives on yeah um, managing money with a human side versus uh, apps etc and a bit guiding us through your your process of creating wealth tender i think it will it's a great project and i wish you all the best with that and especially now with the period which is a bit more difficult but i think you'll do well so i think uh, yeah wish you success uh, with, with that and uh, you're on the right path, uh, definitely, for sure. So, um, yeah, as we know, Brian, we always have our three quick fire questions. Are you sure. ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay, perfect. So, Brian, the number one question is, what has been your best investment so far? So, I do enjoy investing in the stock market. I like buying what I know. And with all the years in asset management, um, I'll, I'll often look to publicly traded asset managers. There's one in particular based in San Antonio, Texas, um, that goes by the name US Global. Ticker symbol is GROW, G R O W. This one I, I'm still invested in today. It's, about, it's up about two and a half times since I purchased it. In February, um, when it was a dollar a share, it's now around three and a half. And at the time, it was trading about at a level equivalent to the cash they had on their books. But really, kind of an interesting story because one of the products that they launched five years ago is an ETF that invests in the airline industry, which obviously was very beaten up in the, <laughs> the pandemic. And ironically, as people started to invest in in you know this particular etf which is ticker symbol jets it really started to rally and grow from a, a fund that had 50 million in assets to now 
uh, 1.5 billion almost in assets. And so it was a great way to um, buy the um, asset manager instead of buying the ETF itself, recognizing that the revenue coming from that ETF they manage would drop to their bottom line. And, uh, you know, it's been a great investment so far. And I, I feel like there's still value in it. So I'm going to hold it at least a little bit longer here. And then we'll see. But that one's been probably the uh, the best one in the, the, the recent uh, time period. No, oh, excellent. Excellent. Then question number two, Brian, uh, what is one book you would recommend to anyone? And it doesn't need to be a financial book. Sure. You know, the one that comes to mind that it's, I found really inspirational is called Born to Run. Um, I do enjoy running, um, not necessarily long distances, but this book is all about um, long distance running. Uh, it, it's just many stories interwoven throughout the book. They, you know, ironically, where I'm in Mexico right now, a big portion of the book is around the Tara Humara uh, tribe, a Mexican Indian tribe that has a culture of running very long distances. Basically, it seems like wearing themselves out after 100 mile plus runs going from, you know, camp to camp. And uh, that that's one of the many stories um, within the book. But even if you're not a runner, I, I highly recommend it as something that is truly just inspirational. And, uh, you know, it's something that kind of keeps me going. Okay, excellent. I'll uh, check it out. And I'll link it anyway in the show notes so people can find it as well. And then uh, the last question, Brian, is um, what has been your best uh, purchase for under $100? Yeah, I'm going to throw out a recent one there as well. You know, when we got to Tulum, we had the opportunity of taking cabs everywhere or renting um, bicycles. And we realized, you know what, we're, we're actually better off buying a bicycle. And so there were some used bikes that we were able to buy for under $100. And we are not only getting our exercise and staying healthy, but uh, it's proven to be a great way to save a lot of money as well. Um, it's very flat in Tulum. And so, you know, it's a five minute ride to the, the beach or a five minute ride to town. And that's definitely um, a great investment that's really, you know, paying for itself and then some for us right now. Ah, oh, perfect. And then, yeah, keeping healthy and moving. That's great. Excellent. And how, how is the weather there right now, actually? Because I know it's quite hot now, I guess. August is the hottest it gets, and we've been very fortunate that it's absolutely beautiful. There's a little bit uh, of you know, rain that you get a little bit more often, but we've had three days with no rain. Um, but even when it rains, it's usually fairly brief, and it's really hard to argue when you're watching the rain, sipping on a, a Corona uh, <laughs> beer at the bar, and then 20 minutes later, you're back out on the sand. So it's, it's all good. Yeah, no, I went there five years ago and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I'm definitely looking forward to go again. It, it was a uh, really like the coast because I uh, also did some diving. So it was it was great. It is. It's a very special place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it's, it's great. I recommend to anybody. And then, uh, Brian, uh, how can people uh, find you? Sure. Certainly going to wealthtender.com on our About Us page, you'll find my email and phone number out there. Feel free to shoot me a note or give me a ring, or you can find me on LinkedIn as well. And uh, happy to connect with any of your listeners. Yeah. And you are also on social media. I think you're on Twitter and I don't know if you're on Instagram as well. Yes, you are. Indeed. So wealthtender, W-E-A-L-T-H, T-E-N-D-E-R, um, across Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, haven't figured out TikTok yet, but uh, everything <laughs> else, we're out there. 
Okay, excellent, excellent. Isn't it? It's not banned yet. Uh, TikTok is it still on in the US? Yeah, maybe it worked out well that we haven't figured that one out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like it might not be a thing much longer. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, right. well, Brian, I think it was. Uh, yeah, really enjoyed this uh, episode with you, and uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, yeah, really appreciate it, and uh, yeah, I'll speak to you soon. All right, thanks so much, Jonathan. Keep up the great work. Okay, thanks. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something from it. I really enjoyed my conversation with Brian, it was great, and I really appreciated the human interaction side of money because it's true that we can all read about the best investment strategy, the best dividend stock strategy, real estate investments strategy in your city. But in the end, money decisions can be emotional, and this is when it's great if you can find someone that you can relate to and that can help you with your money questions. Anyway, before we head off, let's go through the key takeaways of today. Number one. Well, it's not a surprise, but yes, there has been a huge shift in technology in the last 20 years. We are going more digital and are choosing for more automated solutions when it comes to financial advice, and there is consequently less human interaction. Number two, well, money is still an emotional topic. Think of big events that are emotional and money-related, for example, the financial crisis of 2008, the current crisis of the pandemic. You can also think about big events in your life, a wedding, finishing your studies, finishing paying off debt, etc. And yeah, let's not forget that among all the digitalization and automation, a human will always relate better with you in such cases. And this is where support is needed, actually. In the end, we need to manage our money and our emotions. Number three, and I really liked the philosophy of Wealth Tender, the company of Brian. Everyone deserves help with money matters, no matter their income or situation. So really... We really appreciate that, so I wanted to emphasize that. And number four, there's already plenty of information available out there for free. Think of um, websites such as Investopedia, blogs, podcasts, and so on. And in addition to that, there are as well affordable options in the form of online courses at very low cost or packaged financial coaching services, at least in the US. I don't know exactly about the situation here in Europe, but the Wealth Tender website is already a great starting point to start your research. Number five, should you go for a financial advisor or financial coach? It can be difficult to know what's best for you, but in short, the financial advisor is a licensed professional accountable to various standards and government bodies. They can help you with specific investment advice, while for financial coaches, there's no regulatory oversight, which will require more due diligence on your end. Nevertheless, financial coaches will be more indicated to help you with the more behavioral aspects of managing money. For example, how to get out of debt, how to get back on track with your finances, and so on, and so on. And to close this episode, I will ask you a question that Brian asked during the show, so that you can reflect on or think about. How well off are you? So that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcast. And of course, please do not hesitate to contact me. If you have any questions or feedback, send me an email, john at johnnytalks.com or connect through social media at johnnytalks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And amigos, once more, thanks so much for listening and I'll speak to you next time.